for it. Hey guys, it's Casual Friday. That means it's Nancy Matt's Friday. And we're going to be discussing what happens when you or your loved ones are at the brink of death. We'll be right back. Grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, everybody. Happy Friday. Sorry about that. I guess it's kicking it back at me, which it never did before. That's new to me. Anyway, my name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team, based out of sunny, well, not so sunny right now, Sacramento. Uh, We're 45 strong up and down the state, and that means we can help you no matter where you're located. It may take us a couple days to get to you because it's a big state, but we do have psychics on staff to help with that. If you need to find us, Google us on Facebook under California Haunts Paranormal, and we will just pop right on up, and we've got multitude sites on Facebook. You can also find us at TikTok as California Haunts, and at Twitter as California Haunts, and at Twitch as Cal Haunts. We also are on Instagram. I'm GhostyGal, all lowercase. And you can find us at YouTube, of course, at youtube.com forward slash at California Haunts Radio. If you are watching from Facebook, and a lot of you are, and you haven't done so already, and you like what you see tonight, please be sure to hit that follow button and hit some thumbs up and some happy faces. We're always looking for uh, followers, and but by hitting that, that thumbs up, it's great, because what happens is it puts us up higher in the FYP, and then Facebook will send us out to a lot of other people, so we get more known. Same thing with YouTube, it works the same way. If you haven't checked us out, our 800 video, more than 800 videos are sitting over there, and uh, be sure to subscribe. Because that helps us with their FYP as well, just like you commenting during the show. Anyway, welcome. Tonight we've got a great show lined up for you. As always, uh, Medium Nasty Mass has a great topic that she's going to be just talking about tonight. And, uh, you know, you always wonder those moments just before somebody passes away, you know, what, what happens to them as they're passing away. And I've heard a lot of stories about people like the, where they imagine, you know, where they're going. It's kind, of, it's kind of like having a dream and you imagine where you go, you know, where you're going. Like my friend, my best friend was really into Disneyland and that's what she imagined. That's what she told me she was going to do. She was going to imagine that she was in Disneyland when she got near death. So Nancy's going to be talking about that stuff. She knows a lot more about it than I do. So let's bring her in and get the show on the road. <laughs> everybody what a what a topic i've been uh spending a few hours every few days writing this up and uh it's a complex topic but it doesn't take a lot of time so i will embellish what i have seen over the years and i did not look at other sites of people well-intentioned talking of this i know that most people are aware that i was born with this condition saw my father after he died at six and from then on, after my mother sugar fest at me, don't you do that again? 
it was until I was high school that it kind of came full force again in such strange ways. Um, I did have near-death experience at the same, about within six months of where my father was killed, maybe a year. And I did experience that. And of course, that drew me to Raymond Moody and all the uh, wonderful people that talk about near-death experiences and um, past lives with children, reincarnation issues. It's just, I've had 33 years of giving way too many books before Kendall was ready. <laughs> <laughs> wanting to read them all and uh, problems with my eyes. Char and I have had a cold the first couple of weeks and I didn't get it as bad as her, but you can still hear it comes and goes like a wave like this. And of course it's going to be tonight. I talked on the phone quite a few, few hours today, but so um, we're going to be fine. I just uh, want to talk about this. I want to talk as you, I've had comments. I like it when you talk about movies. I did find some new movies that I would like to talk about. Uh, in regard to the first moments of dying and then passing over, um, I'm always open to someone write me a note, but please don't make it personal. Uh, this is a topic that maybe I don't want to talk to you about a child that died. Um, a lot of clients call me up and they want to know who greeted that loved one. And I've done this for so long. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, I'm able to describe visually who greets us of all things, right? <laughs> so once upon a time, how many years ago, someone said, well, who greeted my loved one? And I thought, well, how am I supposed to know? Maybe I better see them and all of a sudden click. So ever since then, I've been able to see spirit in a different ways. And one of my ways I'm so grateful is be able to have vision in that way. <laughs> it kept me more strange. And I see ghosties everywhere, ghosts like, insane going to be insane kind of progress and and i've done ghost investigations with shar for a long time as well as when she met me at the cemetery um sacramento cemetery downtown sacramento at 10th and broadway and so i've been exposed to spirits a long time and then i've had incidences and i shared this a couple of weeks ago <clears throat> kathy pert uh p-e-a-r-t i believe Curator at the Rockland Cemetery had me go out. And some of these incidences that happen no longer am I thinking of myself insane. I'm now thinking of myself as an instrument that people need to get answers. If I put my ego in the way, oh, well, look at me, I can do this, scares the dickens out of me because I don't want anything blocked. So I call myself a receiver. Put my hands down, Nancy. I know. <laughs> Char says, Nancy, move her hands along. Um, so I did a cemetery tour and with her. And I told her ahead of time, oh, I like, I don't mind doing this. I do like it. Because I get to see new spirit people. And I get to meet living people first, too, right? For the mm -hmm. first time. And so she brought her little crowd. And she says, oh, these people are really interested. And I was directed to the path um, to the left. And a man jumped up and rushed toward me. And I went, oh, my He's like, oh, what's this about, right? He scared me. And he says, tell them I did not commit suicide. The road was wet. And, of course, I always say to people, I'm going to hear something. I'm not going to hear something. I'm going to see something, buddy. I'm not going to see somebody. So I saw him, and I described him real quick. And I said, Kathy, he wants me to tell somebody here that he didn't commit suicide, that the road was wet. And he slid into the road. 
well, I'm going to take this another step, so bear with me here. She turns around and talks to his mother. And, of course, everybody was in denial. Oh, he committed suicide. I mean, he was depressed. And I'm standing there like a dummy going, well, that's not what I heard. <laughs> a few weeks later, they called. <clears throat> she calls me up and says, guess what? The family investigated and it had rained that night. And he slipped into the curb. When he did, this is, remember, I'm trying to make a bigger picture so we can talk with the interest tonight. When he did, he crashed into the curb and it looked like he went to the right. And when he did, it almost makes me feel like at an angle, not straight into the hillside, but maybe the tire in the back grabbed the rope and the front of the car crashed into the hillside. And when it did, I went crunk like this, right? And then he was propelled into the windshield. And he was shocked. So when he was thrown, so when he was, I hope everybody could hear me. I had to wait. <laughs> the microphone's pushed up. Uh, so when he was propelled out of his body, it was very quick. And I remember, excuse me as I say this, I remember him showing me and telling me that he, floated out of his body full formed as though he had even had his shoes and socks on looking at this mess and going, what the blank? Can you imagine? And they say, oh, when we pass over the angels and everybody's wonderful, wonderful. And it's not always. It was a shock to him. There was a woman I would call grandmother. So if he is propelled from the driver's side, which was the left side, through the car to the roof that was crushed into the hillside and he's looking down he's like what what and of course they want to get back in the body which is terribly upsetting to me and he knows he can't and he looks up and he sees his old grandma looking person and she says you can't go back you gotta come with me i don't want to leave and then he hears from the family saying oh he committed suicide and he's distraught and I don't want someone to call me and say, well, is my family member distraught? They do get distraught. And I'll tell you another example. is like at the moment of death, it's so quick, they're thrown out of their body. And I want to give you a couple examples. Because we're going to start at a comfortable place and we're going to go to a really nice place. Because this is absolutely amazing to me. When I think of this gentleman, he was young, at 40-ish, I think. I don't know for sure. Kathy will have to get back to me if she hears this. And... Um, after she explained that this was the time he needed to leave, you're coming with me now. Oh, it was almost like, oh, I get this a lot. Oh, I'm alive. It's not blank. It's not lights out. So shocked. So surprised. So, <clears throat> excuse me here. Hold on a second. As Shara said, she was better today. I'm thinking, me too, but listen. <laughs> So it was a shock, but a recovery was very quickly because once you know you can't go back, then it's easier to accept it. There is a lady I met, and I've told the story of her family, Pat and her daughter who died of leukemia. Pat was holding onto her daughter's hand when she was dying. She was 18, 16, 17 years old. I'm not positive for sure. It's been so many years. And as I put my mind to that date, I had backed up in time. So she said, the teenager might have died a couple, two or three years earlier, but it was February of 92 
that I met Pat at Vacaville Psychic Fair. And we were talking and she spoke to me about the daughter dying of leukemia. And as she's holding onto the daughter's hand, she was grasping it very tight, very tight, as though to say, I can't let you go, so I'm going to hold on to you to keep you here. And as I put my mind to it, I looked, I came in um, at the foot of the bed to the left. Mm -hmm. So I was looking at the lady, Pat, to my right side, which would have been the daughter's left hand. And I could see Pat holding on to her hand. And I don't remember saying anything at the moment, though I have notes. Pat has given me full uh, permission to talk to her and write this up. And I will eventually. And the daughter was halfway out of her body. And to her right shoulder was an opening. And in the opening to the other side was a landscape of families, of people gotten together and they're having picnics in the afterlife. And unfortunately, we hear families passing together. And what I saw was what we call a park environment. And through that visual opening was a beautiful woman. And we're not all greeted by family members that we would know. So a young teenage, a teenage girl was greeted by a celestial being. That's the only way I can describe it. A lot of people hold on to, I want to be greeted by so-and-so, a celestial being, whatever. And this young woman must have proposed a thought, well, I see an angel, and, and we get what we want. And she, with her right hand, was holding on to the angel. Her left hand was gripping mom. And she looked at me, which startled me. She says, tell mom to let go of my hand. And this was something that I had never heard because I'm talking of the past. And I says, oh, Pat, you're holding on to her hand so tight. Let go. And this is where my theory of making an apology of some action or words that you said in the past, go back and forgive, forgive yourself, reword it, because this action proved to me that we can back up in time to right or wrong where the domino effect of negative can go forward. Pat, your hand, you're just grabbing Oh, I didn't want to let her go. And I says, let her go. And in the visual of this happening, Pat's hand loosened up. And as she did so, the daughter released and went with the angel. Of course, she did pass at that moment, which was very hard for Pat, the daughter. But at the same time, it was very I was very aware of a lot of dynamics that were happening that I knew at that moment. I said, Pat, may I please have your permission? And the next story is also Pat's family. And I wanted to share that Pat had other children and another daughter. And the daughter uh, was older, uh, grew older. And I see, talked to Pat a few times. I'm not positive she's alive, but I do have written permission from her. And uh, she was desperately in love and engaged to a young man. And the young man, which is very difficult because I can't tell his age. He was a, a nice built, little hot, little thicker bodied man. And he had purchased, uh, was driving what we would call uh, an open car. Uh, there's lots of them out there. The year uh, would, I wouldn't know one from another. My first husband and I, we had an Alfa Romeo Veloci Spider. And that small kind of a coffin shaped little car 
is what he was driving, but a little bigger. Now, it wasn't a Mustang without the top. It was something compact. And it could have been um, another sports car of greater value. But you asked me what car type is, and I just go, whoa. So he was driving in the foothills in the mountains of Sierra. Uh, Sierra. It was springtime. And he had a short shirt on, and he had slacks. And he was uh, driving curves in a mountain. And and unfortunately, he was fussing with his either radio or cassettes. We had cassettes in those. I don't know if we had cassettes. Yeah, we had cassettes. He was changing music. And I think it was a cassette. I don't think it was a radio. And he bent down to look. And when he looked up, a truck coming the other way around a curve uh, drifted over the line. And it was head on. He was killed instantly. What curious, you see in cartoons like this, and he was jetted the spirit, his spirit, flash out of his body, just poof, like this, fully clothed um, in his mind. Because remember, these two individuals, the one who had the crash into the mountain, um, and this gentleman had seen their bodies that day, and they knew what they were wearing. Because spirit people tell me, well, I don't want to create my socks and shoes. I don't remember what pair of socks I had on. And I don't know about men, but women, we have 10 different colors of, of stripes. And <laughs> I have Winnie the Pooh cups. I have some socks my kids gave me, the Winnie the Pooh series type of thing. And I won't remember which one I had on. So it's sometimes easier not to create that. So after a while, we forget what we're wearing. But these two men, this man was pushed out of his body. And as though you can see with a big rubber band, you go boom, and this bot person goes in the air and their arms are out in front and their legs are out in front of them. And he also said words blah, 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 that I can't repeat. And he was a young man and he looked at his car being crashed and going down the hill. It was a terrible accident. And he knew instantly that he could not get back in it. And I remember him standing, remember, listen to me say that. I remember him standing in the air, not knowing what to do. And behind him, I can remember behind him, a tall, lanky, bigger bone man. I don't know what side of the family he was on, was there to greet him and say, well, you did it this time. <laughs> you can't go back to that mess. And he had a good chuckle. The man was a heavy jaw. And I remember thinking the teeth, because he was an era, or not a lot of cosmetic term, through that little spaces between all his teeth but a handsome a little thinner face and he was one of those men that aged um handsomely but thin and uh um anyway he was very distinguished but it was kind of like he lived in the, um in the country he had comfortable comfortable clothes on and the guy turned around look at this guy in his blue gray coloring now what now what and that's all that I was given because I believe that, that he left easier. He had a shock, but then there would be no coming back from that accident. And I want to bring a, um, and I'm going to go into one movie, and then I want to go to the beginning of not the accident, but how I was getting your attention with what I was talking to you about first. Now we'll go into what it, I have a perception of people dying because I was in hospice for a while. And then the people that come to me with relatives who died, I've seen them when they pass over and what's happened to them. And some of them are very interesting. So <laughs> the movie, Dr. Strange, 
the gentleman uh, that was in the car because he was a surgeon. And he's looking for enlightenment to figure out how he can live his life or find somebody that can give him uh, his hands back. And this was one of those Marvel movie characters. And uh, he meets the master of the, I don't know what uh, group it was, but she shows up a few times in other Marvel movies. And I'm sure everybody, Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange, is that what the movie was called? Um, anyway, uh, not Mr. Strange, Doctor Strange. <laughs> and she teaches him how to leave his body. And one of the first scenes when she's accepted him into her world, um, at least to show him what it was about, uh, I think it was the first meeting. Then she throws him out in the street and he has to sit there and contemplate what was going on. She walks up to him and she just pushes him in the middle of her chest very, diff very strongly. And as in the car accidents, both these men were thrown out of their bodies. And the spirit was separated instantaneously. I do see it that way. If you even watch the first half hour of Doctor Strange, you'll see that happen. And I do see it that way. In the course of the movie, when he's introduced to the dark forces, <laughs> there is uh, the bad guys and there's a group of them. And he gets in, into a fight with one of the men on a, a spiritual level. So the souls of these two men leave their body and they are in fight in the afterlife. And at one point, Doctor Strange had been stabbed by this bad guy and uh, he needed to have um, his heart hit with some uh, paddles. And so the lady friend of his in the hospital, which she was a doctor of, as he was at the time, gave him extra energy of electricity, zoomed up his spirit, his body, and he was able to fight the bad guy and put an end to his end to his spirit life. And I have heard and seen when people die, they get the paths to their chest and they are brought back. And I do believe electricity has a lot to do whether we stay in our body or not. And if we break that, the spirit is then broken free from the body. Um, both these gentlemen had their bodies damaged, as had my father when he was killed in a car accident. You weren't going to bring them back. Too much damage. But I have seen that, and I've seen people uh, who had the electricity given back to them. Now, in my case, when I had um, Graves' disease, I had cancer, uh, radiation, and then I got Graves' disease. And both of them not only siphon out calcium, but if in Graves' disease, if you don't take care of your potassium, potassium is a form of electrical charges in the body. Helps us as with a couple other, but potassium is a big one. So when I was taking blood tests and they just found out I had Graves' disease, my potassium was so low that when I finally mm -hmm. got to the hospital, it was in Chandler, Arizona, um, from the doctor's office, they called me and the lady was always yelling in the phone, get to the hospital right now. You have to go right now, right now, right now. You know. Really? <laughs> my husband was driving and he got us lost. <laughs> we were about half hour later than we should have been. They put me right in. A young doctor came around and he said, I just have to tell you, you are three hours away from a fatal heart attack. And I looked at him. I went, excuse me? 
like, really? I wasn't ready for a near-death experience at that point. And he says, potassium was so low that if you had a heart, if your heart stopped beating, you didn't have enough electricity in your body, potassium in your body, for us to start it again. I found that very fascinating. So we're talking electricity, but we're not mm -hmm. talking of your spirit. Because the body generates electricity of which the spirit needs to be part of. Mm -hmm. I hope I'm not confusing you guys. Okay, you got that? All right. I found that just amazing that we're so interesting uh, flesh-wise. But without mm -hmm. the flesh working with electricity, remember Dr. Strange, if you see the movie, the paddles, wah, wah, he's, he's gone again. It gave him more boost. And the electricity in my body was so low. Shard, I talked a few times ago. Well, how many death experiences have you had, Shar? And she listed, and I go, well, you know, I click kiss that Barney Stone one more time. You know, we're about like cat cats with nine lives. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but you know, the universe has set forth a path for both of us, and I do, and I trust, and I have to. That no matter what happens in our life, there is a plan. Now, wait a minute, I don't want mamas and papas to call me up and rag on me how terrible it was. I wasn't predicting this and that. But people, listen, it's been very difficult for me to accept not only this gift, but to be put on the spot and get what I get and then have to give it to you. At times, it's hard. It's hard because death, dying, passing over, grieving, new starts after whatever, whatever. I picked the hard stuff, you know? Because that's what well, I was especially, to do. Especially if there's a child involved. Oh, you know, terrible it, story. a parent. I mean, it, it, that, that is the biggest loss that, that somebody can yeah. experience. I almost lost my son and um, came real close. Uh, he was playing football and someone pushed his face into the grass. And they just put manure all over it. And he had oh. asthma. And so it was after I left my husband and a girlfriend named Jeannie. Jenny, G-I-N-N-Y. She says, why don't you go to the hospital in Roseville, park your car, and we'll go to the cir music circus, and then we'll come back. And unbeknownst to me, uh, my ex-husband was trying to call me that they had taken my son to the hospital where I had parked the car. And so when we got back, I got notice, uh, and he was in the hospital, and he almost died. You know, it's like, I've kissed that shadow. It was very scary. Uh, I'm also um, very allergic to a lot of things, and he seems to have taken after me in some ways. That was a very scary event. But things like that happen to all of us all the time. We, we stuff it off, and then we start thinking about it and go, wow, that was close. Um, and, you know, I could entertain you kids all night long with the close calls. I rode horses and I was running and jumped over a rattlesnake, and one time my horse got scared on Auburn Lake trails, and we went over a cliff. I mean, <laughs> I've had those close calls that make you think, "Am I missing the message here, everybody?" <laughs> you know. But let's go on. So the topic tonight: What happens at the time of death? I gave you a few examples of them leaving their bodies. Two of the men, the ones that were thrown out of their body. They didn't go through what we call the typical steps. Uh, the young lady that died of leukemia had been going through the steps, but her spirit wasn't free. She didn't go through the normal steps that I'm going to describe 
because she hadn't had enough life to miss people or to understand. So they kept her quiet with medication. A lot of times, and I've told people, well, I would like to experience that. But more likely, if, if it's possible, I think the family would not want any older people, relative, I'm going to speak of us older people, to suffer. But we also have to think in consideration the family that would be with us at that time. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go through some of the steps because the kids would watch that. Because I imagine that would be a place where the children would come around. And you have to make it as peaceful as possible because the body has a natural uh, checklist of things that need to happen. Because we're programmed to have a life but an ending. And we can't have the ending without going through steps. Rather, you die of the after effects of having a heart attack, cancer, emphysema, stroke, or whatever, those things that can take us at the end of life. Even uh, what I call a soft heart death. And you'll see these old people. <laughs> they lived a long time. Hopefully, they're older. And the heart just goes, hey, I'm just pooped. I'm going to give up the ghost. Time for you to go home, honey. And this little heart's working. We're so, it's so difficult. And that individual going through those soft, the soft heart process will go through what we are, I'm going to mention next. Okay. So with the girl with the uh, leukemia, I did not have any sense that the mother witnessed anything that would have given her more trauma because the girl was asleep. But when I came into that moment with her, she looked at me, startled me, like that taught me, which I knew already, that we have, I, people like myself have a lot of access to time. If I have access, can you imagine what the spirit people have? And we've talked to that. Spirit people tell me all these trips and things they're doing all amazing. And then, you know, I'm going to divert because it's not on the program, but I'm going to say how many people have asked for readings for me. And we'll talk about family, friends, clear across the world. And I just, one family I talked to quite a bit in Italy, their girls live in the United States. And I'll put my mind to the couple in Italy. That's where they retired. And then they'll want to say something about how are my girls doing? And I will go to each of the girls, go back to them. They're all got young career paths. They're all working. It's just wonderful to hear about this. And it's fun for them to catch up without bothering them. And that's really, you know, families are interesting. Love it. So I blend with the family, the husband and wife. And then I go to the United States and I find them in their particular part of the United States. I go back, get the answer, and they come back to me within three, four seconds. How in the dickens does that work? Well, I think it's interdimensional. But with that, I'm a lonely human being in this meat jacket. Excuse me, everybody. Sometimes I'll call it that because that's easier to live your life thinking, well, this is just a jacket I'm wearing. But it tells me that the thought, like in What Dreams May Come, Robert Williams, he only thinks of something. Oh, he was, I, I was going to mention that movie. I'll mention real quick. What Dreams May Come, when he gets killed in a car accident, same process, very quick. He's out of his body. Next second, he's in his wife's dreams because we create visual what we want to see. And he creates the beauty of his wife's paintings. And they're beautiful, unbelievable artwork. If you can rent that movie, do it just for the visuals of him landing in his particular heaven. 
with the artwork of paintings of landscapes too beautiful for me to even comprehend to tell you. Wonderful, wonderful. There's another example of being flicked out of the body in a second. There's no contemplation. There's nothing that they can think about other than it's right now. And I have been in a real bad car accident. I was 18 years old. And we had I was driving around uh, Hills, Hillsdale and Madison Avenue, and a car flipped coming the other way. Char, you know that area? It was raining. And they flipped in the air and came down on our car. There is no thinking, oh, am I going to die? Am I going to get out of the way? I did get out of the way, and the police asked me, how did you know where to go? I turned my wheel. Well, one of those Jesus had the wheel statements are made here. But I, at the same time, there's no thought of, oh, am I going to die? What's it going to be like? Am I going to suffer? You don't think it's too fast, but slow motion. You don't have time to think of those things. So these accidents that we hear about, it's very quick, and there's no pain. It's not a shocking thing. It's like, fudge. <laughs> what happened? statements and we are never abandoned at death ever i have never ever seen anybody not have somebody right there in my own grandmother i showed up at her bedside and she she died in a senior home uh well i remember we, um uh, my almost fatal right which one honey <laughs> i don't know the one up in the mountains on, on new year's eve on, on new year's day and the, uh, in fact, it turned out later, my car got recalled for the steering wheels locking up. It was oh. a big recall. And mm. I had hit some black ice. And I went to, uh, my dad taught me how to drive in the snow. He grew up in Ohio. So I know mm. how to drive in the snow. I hit this black ice, tried to turn the steering wheel, and it wouldn't turn it locked. Mm. And so I ended up, I was, I was, I was going um, southbound, no, westbound on 80, you know, coming down the hill from Tahoe. Oh, so yeah. the car completely went this way on 50. And I saw, yeah, and I was at that real canyon part before you just before you get to Tahoe. Oh, okay. And all, yeah. I saw, all I saw was this the snowbank. And I thought at first I was at first I I, I I did one of these, you know, like, oh my god, I'm gonna hit. And then the funny thoughts started coming. I got I got real calm. And I thought, mm -hmm. well, okay. And then I thought, it's gonna be yeah. a hell of a view. <laughs> And that's what I thought. It's gonna you know, I'm bracing in, right? It's gonna be a hell of a view when I go over. So I didn't know there was a guardrail under there. So the car bounced off the guardrail and mm -hmm. it ended up twisting back the other way. And I look up oh, and there's a, a logging truck coming. Oh no. And I'm like, oh hell no. So I hit the gas, I ended up spinning this way against the hill. But at that moment, like you say, it, I was so calm that all I could all I could think of was it's gonna be a hell of a view. Well, you know, I ha I did talk about this a few weeks back about my driving from um, downtown Sacramento Arden Fair. I mm -hmm. lived in Pollock Pines. And one reason I moved out of Pollock Pines after three years is the snow. And this accident actually propelled me the same way I was going home. And I entered what they call a whiteout situation. Road is gone. You cannot see. I'm very sympathetic with the people back east. When you see 50 cars on the freeway, absolutely, because that would have happened to me. And the steering wheel was not tight. And I felt like someone said, let go. And the minute I did, my right tire hit the curb and I bounced to the left. And then I drove mm -hmm. out of it. It was very quick. If there had been a car around, it would have hurt, uh, hit it. But the next few days, I spent a lot of time going up and down the hill until I realized that spot. And if I'd gone over, 
I would have been disappeared. I had a, a geostorm blue. It would have been buried in the snow. Yeah, both of us have. I mean, we should have a show on comparing, <laughs> have people call in on near misses. Yeah. That would be it. Write that down, Char. That's near misses. Yeah. Near misses. You yeah. Know, I, I mean, mean I mean, so, how many lives do I have? My cat has nine. What do I have? You know, <laughs> we're both black cats. I have two black cats. Maybe I should say I'm one of the family there. So I've <laughs> talked about how how fast it happens. How you don't think for those who've had family and friends in car accidents, it's fast but slow motion, and you don't yes. think about how damaged you're going to be. You are yep. thrown out of your body at that second. Your spirit doesn't say unless. You don't die instantly. I'm talking about the instant right. death ones. Right. Uh, you, you are in shock because I did get injured um, with the car. Um, my foot got injured. I never felt anything. Never felt a thing. Um, so there was a bruises. I didn't feel any any of those things. That have been other accidents, falling off horses. And someone said, oh, you have bone degenerative disease in your back. I go, no, no. Horse, horses kept throwing me and I had, you know, those kinds of things. And you never feel it kind of, kind of shock. So those even get most damaged body and then they die. Usually you're in shock. So those of you who've had family that have killed, been killed. It's not, uh, you know, um, I will mention one more and then I'll go on. There's a friend of mine. Um, life is busy. So we've kind of lost connections. But she's given me permission to talk of her son, and I will write up extensively. I, I mentioned him a few times, maybe six months back. Uh, Jason got hit in front of the house where Sue was visiting her cousin, and he was going to change her car tire. Ran across the street, and drunk driver hit him. Sue heard the accident, went out there, and he had been terribly injured. I mean, he was dying. We're talking never-to-be-recovered type of situation. And she's so psychic and so um, amazing. I meet the most wonderful people who are so gifted. And I think, how can I talk them into doing this job? But it wasn't meant to be. She just that way. And she actually pulled his spirit back into his body. And at the moment that happened, of course, the boy never felt anything. I get a blackout feeling with him, like instant blackout. And then he was standing. And he heard his mother pleading with him to get back in the body. And then he did this. And then she had that flash of moment women. If he's back in his body, it will not be him anymore. His, his head was damaged and was never going to get fixed. And that, that moment she said, Jason, you can go on, go on. And then he calmed his voice, his breathing down and he did leave. And we've had amazing stories. I'm, I'm going to write this all up. In the same house, a cousin killed himself. And I talked at the portal that the boy saw. It was amazing. So Jason, we've uh, talked in uh, theater in the round uh, in a group, and he showed up. It was amazing uh, storylines. But with him also, uh, when we got together, I was entertained on a cruise ship, <laughs> Crystal Harmony, October, uh, October of 92. And... I came back to 10 messages on my machine that Jason had been killed. And I talked to her. And um, when he spoke to me, uh, he said, Grandpa told me that they gave me more time. And I said, really? So it appears that even in a death situation, you are to leave. But if nothing is going to change the outcome of your passing, they can give us more time. And I said, well, how much more time do you get? 
He said, six weeks. So from the accident, I told Sue, she <gasps> went like this. And of course, everybody on RSS can't see that. I put my hands in front of my face and went <gasps> like this. She was very dramatic when she did that. I says, what's going on? She says, six weeks ago, we had a power outage in our house. And I asked him to go downstairs and throw the switch on the fuse box. When he did, unknown to him and I, he looked down and saw he was standing in water up above wow. the rubber of his shoe. And he did not get wow. electrocuted. And I said, what did he do in that time? This is true. I mean, I've written it up. She's written up. She's given me permission. I will write this. And wow. one of the eight, nine books I'm going to write was all about Jason. He deserves his own novella size book. And he's, and I says, oh, my gosh, I've never heard of that. I've never heard of that before. So it appears that we are to no longer speak our word, to influence life, allow to go on for all the reasons that I can't answer. Mm -hmm. Because in that six weeks, he needed closure with the dad that didn't touch base with him, with the half-brother that never had a relationship. He wrote letters. He reconnected. He fixed um, a chicken or bird coop for his mother. He finished projects. Then he got hit with the car, and he was gone six weeks later. And Sue's a wonderful lady, Ugh, just fabulous. Uh, I didn't have permission to tell of her last name tonight uh, because I didn't tell I was talking about her because it just popped in my head. <laughs> but uh, she's had this chicken coop and things around the house. And when I spoke to her about the accidents and us talking about it, it occurred to both of us that the Extension of time means that there's a buffer around our death time. And I'm not sure how many of us are given that extra time, but it would be obvious to us. Say someone has a stroke and they die, but they're brought back. And maybe they're here two or three weeks and they have another stroke. That's that buffer. When I got the message for me, um, and I'm, I'm older, of course I'd like to retire, but what am I going to do with my retirement job? Guess what? This, right? So. Stay worth it, Nancy. But there will be a day when the universe will say, you can't talk to that person. You got him on the calendar in a week. I feel like there's a day when I no longer can influence the people around me for whatever reason. It could be a family member. We don't know. And then I get to go home. And I've talked to you about my mom and dad both being spirit. Of course, they would be at my age unless they were in the hundreds. <laughs> but you know, it's, I had a flash of myself in the afterlife visiting family. And there was a great, an aunt, uh, my mother's father's sister. Oh, Aunt Hazel was wonderful. Eight marriages. And she lived in one of those old Victorian buildings in Sacramento. And I, I, I'm talking to her in my vision. And it's like a, a family reunion. And this is so real to me. And people go, oh, Nancy, you were just crazy lady i can't help it this is what i get and the first time i'm getting off track i gotta talk quicker sure do you have a class tonight no okay let me keep going because i got so much to talk about well along um, that line really quick along that line really quick i have had a vision of my of myself and my mother in my after in the afterlife i mm -hmm. it, it came it came via a dream Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize I was that I, I even you were even dead, her. huh? I was dead in this afterlife. But I remember going to visit her, and she lived up like 
like the, like like it's just a housing place, you know, just 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 like this, a suburban mm -hmm. thing. And she had this real beautiful house, and she was showing me around this place. And I'm looking around, and she says, "Yes." And look, I've got all my flowers over here. I've got all this going on over here. And it didn't occur to me until the, I met this strange man that I, I had no clue who it was. And he says, "Well, this is this is her afterlife. This is it. This this is where your mother lives here. This is her heaven. Yeah, this is her heaven." Like Robin Williams yeah. when he passes over into his yeah. wife's paintings, and the artwork. You guys just have to. It's just amazing. Well, again, I want to get back on track, and then okay. this other part's really important sure. too, right? No, thank you, Sharp. Please interrupt anytime. I was working, um, I entered the Spirit of Grace Church, Universal Christ of the Master, May of 1990. And I studied under them for 15 years, right? Past life regression work, uh, stage work, uh, readings, uh, uh, presentations. I mean, you think that I did it. And very soon after I got into this, they started having groups because I was um, wanting to not own experience, but they had income coming in. And of course, I jumped right to the chance. And so I helped this mom and pop church with a little Madonna in the window kind of a thing. <laughs> and um, so unbeknownst to me, there was a, a lady there and she is built like I am now, a little bigger, you know, we blossom, we get a little older. And uh she was very white hair and she had it full, um, kept herself very nice. If you, anybody in the audience that has the gift go into my memory of her, you'll see her sitting there. And she was very upset about her husband dying. And so I said, what's his name? And I, are you there? Come on, show up. She wants to talk to you. And I saw this visual of him in his heaven. And they one time must have had money because he was um, a safari kind of guy. And he had his trophy room set up with his, unfortunately, the heads of animals on the walls or, or visuals of that for himself. And, of course, I'm always thinking I'm going to make it up. But I described him and I always thought, well, I'm crazy. I'm making this up. I saw him. I described him. She said, oh, that's him. That's him. And I says, well, he's not alone. There was this wicker basket in front of where he was standing, then his desk, and then the wall with all these animals. And I kind of... Ooh, okay, he's got something with the horns going this way. <laughs> you know, it was very graphic. And there was this beautiful young woman sitting on a stool. And, and he had dark, light hair. He must have been a little younger than her. I mean, a younger man. He showed himself as younger because he was dark haired. And there was this very slim, lanky kind of gal. And I described her to, I think her name was Margaret or Marcia or something. I can't remember, Marilyn. I remember being M, and, and it's been 30 years, so I doubt she's with us. She's probably with him now. And he had described this beautiful young woman, and unbeknownst to the group, she had a teenage girl, 20-year-old, that, that age group, that killed herself all those years ago. And it wasn't her husband that she wanted to know about, because I think she believed that I had sight. She wanted to know if her daughter was okay. And the daughter was sitting there with her hand, behind her rump, leaning back and looking at me, looking at dad, looking at both of us. And I described this and the woman started crying. She says, I wanted to know if you could pick up my daughter. She died so many years ago. Of course, everybody in the audience went, <gasps> we were just all choked up. At that moment, I realized I wasn't insane that I was actually doing this. And what a responsibility. Talk about living on the edge of a cliff. How many of you in the audience would say, 
Oh, let me do that. Not me. I just go. <laughs> oh, I get to be. I go into a group of people and I'm going to entertain. I go, oh, this is fun. Who's entertaining? Everybody looks at me and goes, you are. And I go, oh. <laughs> I want to now go to a place where some of your family's passing away. And I'm going to go and say they're dying of what we call a natural um you know, there's all kinds of ways that people die. It's, you know, this is a natural death. A natural death could be, unfortunately, any kind of condition that comes upon anybody from heart condition to stroke to, unfortunately, cancer or just old age. And I found a lady, a friend, and unfortunately, she hooked up with two different men, and they both died on her. And then she met another man and felt crazy. She fell in love with her. And I says, you know, enjoy him because I did see her surviving him also and she was kind of perturbed at me for saying that but I sometimes think if I get the answer and I'm not asking it's something I have to give but I don't just walk up to strangers <laughs> this is my circle of people uh that I'm very close with right okay um one of the gentlemen had been dying of a natural cause and in the home and she was taking care of him and during the process he was Sorry, everybody. He was uh, weakening, I would call it. And one morning, he got up and put his clothes on. He joined her for breakfast. He made some phone calls. He went to bed and then died. And that is not uncommon. That is very, very common. And it's like you either have the veil open up and you're reaching for invisible peoples. You tell people, uh, by the way, worth my suitcase, I'm taking a trip. By the way, they're telling me I'm going to go at noon tomorrow. Guess what happens? They leave tomorrow at noon. That is very, very common. My father, unfortunately, was able to know that, too. He uh, took life insurance policy out uh, effective April 1st, 1955. It was effective at midnight. He was killed at 2.30, April 1st, 1955. I get the gift from him. But he had a knowing. And he accepted it and didn't try to change it. And the reason my mother shook her hand at me, don't you ever do this, because my last words to him, please don't go, we'll never see you again. And he allowed that to happen. And we talked of last time, <laughs> synchronicity, how I came to Northern California from being born in Southern California, but we're getting off track. Uh, the bolt of energy uh, reaching for people is very, very common, very exciting, very baffling. If you're not in a comatose condition, and unfortunately there are some conditions that the hospice people step up and say, we can't allow that person, the patient, to suffer from cancer or a stroke could put you in a coma. Those kinds of things limit us from seeing those exciting events. And they do happen with consistency. Um, when a person is getting closer to death, there is a cooling down. Uh, Shara's going to have a gentleman on next week or the week after going to talk about poltergeist activity in his home with his mother. And he did notice, and he talked to me, he said her hands and feet, even her up to her knees, were going blue to black. Mm -hmm. And what happens is our body core, our heart says, by the way out there, you know, we need some more energy because we're shutting down. We're going to try to keep the heart going as long as possible. So the hands get cold and they can get tingly. And they can change color. A molting kind of a color comes in, like bruising all over, like seniors can get, uh, but more pronounced. And it is a color. I've not seen it. I think I've seen it once. 
Sorry. <laughs> See, you know, when uh, you're working in hospice, my question is this. My mother got what I call crabber's hand towards the end. What did you say? The word? Like this. I call it crabber's mm -hmm. hand because I watched okay. cats. You know how they get their hands, but my mother right, felt right. like that. She couldn't move. I mean, I had to really massage I, her. I've heard of that, and and cramping in the legs sometimes, and pointed oh. toes, and stuff like that does happen. But it's so rare, I can't. I would think that if she's cooling down, it would be easy not to move our hands about. But also right. with the shutting down process, when we don't want uh, food anymore, we don't want water anymore. The right. system slows right. down. I think it's natural for people to put their hands. Oh, I'm going to lay my hands flat on my body. We don't. We in a, even in a sleep, we'll put our hands and and fold them up. Uh -huh. So I sometimes think it's not necessarily a force closing your fist as much as it's more relaxing. Even if you caught watches TV, you look down your hand that's kind of curled up a little bit, kind of relaxed. And I think that's with your mother when you, you get the stiffness is because the electricity is not there before the molten right, 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 the blue right. colors come in. Right. Yeah. And um, the cooling down happens, we get exceptionally, exceptionally tired. And that's because of food or water, whatever, you know, but it's a process. You get tired, tired, tired to the point of can't uh -huh. move out of the bed. The body says, by the way, we need some more. So the body gets cold. And then you'll notice the core starts heating up. And then they say, I'm hot, I'm hot. It's because the body is working so hard, the core keeping the heart up. Because the last things that do slow down is your heart. You don't, uh -huh. your body says, by the way, I think I'm dying. I'm not ready for that. I'm going to keep going. Well, the body's only going through the mechanism of dying, which is a normal, natural set. Uh -huh. And you can't go to where I'm seeing unless you go to that next and last step, which is unfortunate. Then your body heats up. We go through a, a trembling. Uh, we could have what we call, um, please, not everybody gets this kind of, like a shaking motion that's kind of uh, uncomfortable to watch. Um, and that is uncomfortable to watch and thrash about everything. You can hear the gurgling in here, but the patient is more or less not aware because the body is not being felt. And I, like I said, a lot of people are so quiet in their mind letting this process happen. Even the last uh, gurgling that you do, I've heard people say they weren't aware of it. The person was laying their eyes open and looking around and then the gurgling as though they're not, not even hearing it. So even the process of slowing down, the breathing, the swallowing, and what you call the last sounds of the throat, the person laying there doesn't even see. And the last gesture, a lot of times, even at the death rattle, I didn't want to say that word. It's just a nasty word to say. The noise, a noise in the throat sounds much better. You'll see the patient raise their arm up, almost like at the last second before the brain says, well, I'm checking out. I want to say anything else here. Oh, wait a minute. There's someone coming to get us. Let me go. You're aware or, of that. Or they or they move their eyes in a certain direction. They're moving they're their eyes. Yeah. Somebody You've was seeing so that. Somebody, somebody greeted my father through the door at the hospital because he was his eyes were in that position. So somebody was and, and the body's going through all the steps I just said. Yeah. So yeah. that mind is awake with the eyes to see, oh my gosh. And we've heard of that a lot. <laughs> Joe, I'm sorry. Um, and so the body heats up. The I hate that word. Noise in the throat happens. Their eyes are still awake. Right, the yeah. brain is still going. They start now, even though they're four. You think, oh, they can't hardly move. How can their arm go up? They do. They'll and that out, happens yeah. more than not. I have actually seen that. Mm -hmm. 
actually I see in the visions. <laughs> so um, when people talk to me about the loved ones, I go, oh, one couple, shh, one couple, call, one lady called me and I says, oh my God, your father is such a strong headed man. I, I said other words. <laughs> he died three times. Huh? Question in the chat room. Uh, Michelle says, uh, what about hyperventilation? Her dad did that for a week before he passed. I think everybody, every condition, hyperventilation, I've not, it's not one that I've seen or heard a lot of. It's just it's special to him. Um, I also don't get this man wanted to die. And I feel like the woman, I was just going to tell a story. Sorry. He's just really wound up. Um, woman talked to me about her dad. And I said, oh, your dad is so strong. He's so mentally strong. He thinks, I am not leaving. You're not going to get me out of here. Well, he died three times. And he kept coming back because he wanted to leave his body. And and she gasped and she says, oh, you're right. How did you know? I says, I'm watching him. I just back in time to see him dying. I says, he's so stubborn. Oh, dad was awful stubborn. He just didn't want to do it. <laughs> well, his mother was there. Did he say, she, did he say anything? No. Well, he didn't want to go with her evidently. <laughs> He was he was all yeah, in his personality. Sometimes and people, people say people don't want to go. My mother, I remember hearing her at night several times in the months leading up to her death, yelling at somebody saying, I'm not ready yet. I know. And then there's people who have a who have a suitcase all ready. Get my suitcase ready. Get my suitcase. I'm ready to go on a trip. Yeah. And I'm going on a trip. That is heard a lot. Absolutely. Oh, they're coming to get me. I won't be around much longer. Yeah. You don't have to worry about me next week. Strange statements. And they're so um, positive. They're so ready. And I, uh, like I said, I've seen the other side so often that I go to a place of realizing we're so not knowing. If there's something I'm supposed to do, we all have jobs, right? Uh, mm -hmm. That is to make it believable because I wouldn't be able to make up the stories I hear or what I say, well, or after I talk to a spirit, they give me this most obscure messages. I've had some messages lately. I wish I'd written them down. We should do a show on messages. Um, right. And it's like, oh, my God. And it's like, I'm not clever enough. <laughs> not clever enough to say what I pick up. And there's food, a lot of food. And, and I'll say, did they like, what am I looking at? Oh, you're looking. I know what you're looking at. Uh, a, fud, a, a pudding, blood pudding or something it was so obscure. I went, oh my God, I never know what that is. Um, I want to speak of it. Um, so one of the things I want to speak of is you may be distressed seeing someone die a few times. It's stubbornness. And you need to, I heard the story of, of a, somebody who heard, he said, okay, everybody say goodbye to her. Let her go. But he didn't. And it wasn't like he didn't he didn't do it because everybody else had. He was sitting there and he saw his mother struggling. So he's went, oh, my gosh, mom. He whispered to mom, mom, you can leave. I'm here. Bye. And she instantly died. How many times have people heard, oh, the, the, the dying person is waiting for someone and there seems to be someone coming from out of state. It may not even be the one that you think that person wants to see or hear from. But it is in their mind at that moment the one they need to have permission. And you can see them 
and you're waiting and sometimes just give them permission, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Like in the Marvel movie when Iron Man takes on the bad guy and puts that glove on, he knows he's going to die, right? And he does. And the lady that he's living with and they have a daughter together comes over and says, I'll be fine. You can rest now. Give him permission. And we have to sometimes give permission. It's all right. We're going to be fine. And, and it's just what they need at that moment. So keep that in mind, too. And I've had people call me up and talk about it. And I said, just go visit and give them permission to leave. Um, I've, I've told the story many times about my grandmother dying in Auburn um, Hospital uh, for Seniors. Uh, now Auburn Faith Hospital, but it was nearer than um, in Auburn, California. It was across the street from 11795 Education Street where I was working at a telephone company. It was like block over down a little bit. Sorry, close. And I had two girlfriends that were very religious people, so they used to sing to her in the afternoon. At 4.45, they went there. And as they left, after they sung, they were leaving at 4.45. They said, Nancy's over, coming over at 5 o'clock. If you want, now would be a good time to leave so that Nancy doesn't have to see it. And when I went to her 15 minutes later, I drove in, they were leaving. She had died. Perfect example of not wanting me to be stressed. And I went in there. Remember, this was an 86, unknowns to me. I went in, of course, I felt her. I held her hand. It was still, it was cold and not stiff, but soft, you know, not bored stiff. But, and I felt her over my left shoulder. I says, Bobby, she liked to call Bobby, not grandmother. I says, you have suffered enough, honey. Come on and find Bruce. And I felt her whoosh over my head, you know, like over here. And I just felt this thing, something going past me. It was almost like she was watching her own body. And then when I came, she was worried I was going to be distressed, I think. And I wasn't. I says, oh, you know, my goodness. I didn't know what to say. I think I don't know what to say. But I, I did say something I felt was appropriate. I'm like, you have suffered enough. She had gone blind and lost her mind a little bit. Long story. You don't need to hear that. But I could feel her passing. And I could feel family within her visual. So she was. And I had a psychic reading years later 93 94 of a lady in san francisco first thing she said was your grandmother wants to thank you for getting her uh telling her to leave that she has suffered enough talk about a moment oh that's what i do to people now i understand that i think one of the things that people have a hard time accepting is that they may be ignored but the people unseen in the room are not if they see it don't say to them that you're not seeing something. Marge and Fran were a couple of people that I met in Spirit of Grace Church in Citrus Heights, California. And mom was getting to a place where she was going to have to figure out where she wanted to pass away. And Marge talked to me. She says, she's pointing to the ceiling and all of us see is little flickers of light. I said, well, that's our spirit family. She's not saying that. She says there's fairies in the room. Well, I'm not going to ignore that. If there's fairies in the room and she's seeing fairies, that's because that's what she wants to see. It was enlightening, an enlightened moment for Fran, the mother. She was in her mid-80s at this time. And she was just watching all the spirit activity in the room, not necessarily knowing who they were. But the flickering of lights made her realize that she was looking at fairies. So we can't judge what they're saying. We can't correct them. Because what they're seeing is what they need to see to have a pass over that's peaceful. They say the brain stays um, enlightened with electricity. 
for 20 seconds or more. And I do believe that. My last words to my mother, well, you finally, you got yourself in a fine fix. And I remember her uh, thinking, don't ask me how I knew this. Oh, I know what those words are. And I'm not going to go more on that. And it was like she chuckled, like, oh, what's going on? You know, oh, I know what this is. And um, it was quite a moment, quite a moment. Um, so when I want to go to the next step, then you say to me, oh, Nancy, electricity, you're going to die. Oh, electricity comes, the brain, electricity down, it has nothing to do with our soul. Our soul is generated by the divine. It doesn't have, it does have um, essence to it. People have seen me and a group, even like talking like this, I feel my life force is filling out like this. It's like it, it generate, uh, energizes me to think about these things. I love it. And I feel like um, when we leave our body, people say, oh, at the top of our body, I actually have seen a video, which you can Google, in, um, oh, fudge, Malaysia area, uh, in the hospital, in the corridor, was a person who dies. They had what we call the night cameras on. And as the person lay in bed, you could see this soul just lift right out of the body and float away. Wow, that's how it's done. There was a, a family that talked to me, and they said, God, Grandpa just wouldn't <laughs> he just hang on, and he's hanging on. So they gave me his name, and they gave me the time of his death and where. And I went back in time, and uh, this is after the fact. I want to know what was going on. And he was absolutely sound asleep about three feet above his body. Whole body laying right in the air above his flesh. And I, I don't remember his name. I go, what is this about? He was tired. But he didn't want to be in his body, so he floated above it. And to the left was the, the mother and the father. And I remember looking at the mother. I go, well, what are you doing? And she reached up with both her hands and grabbed him and shook him, woke him up. <laughs> you don't have to stay in the body. You just need to be nearby. Remember Shirley MacLaine, she talked in the movie out, out on the limb where she was in Peru and she flew into the stratosphere and she looked down and she saw a cord. We can create that cord. Just because I haven't seen the cord doesn't mean it doesn't follow me everywhere. But she saw the cord in the stratosphere connecting herself to the hot tub that she was sitting in. And so that's where that idea came from. And with that, this man floating above it, I almost saw like a bridge between his floating essence and his body. And mom just went, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> shook him like this. And he sits up, he lifts his head up and he sees her and she says, come on. And they left and then he died. But the family knew something was strange. And when I explained it to it, they started laughing. Yeah, that's just like him. <laughs> haven't we seen our men watch a lot of TV and they kind of just go to sleep, right? They're laying back. Like, you can visualize this. That's what he did, all right? So I wanted to mention how people have seen out of the body. In the movie Ghost, when Patrick Swayze goes to the hospital with the wife and his dead body, in a glass partition to the side was a man that was going to die. And they were frantically working on this and he was young looking to me 50 something he was young looking they were frantically this man's too young to die well patrick swayze goes into this emerging room and there's another man standing there 
he's and that and the conversation was kind of back and forth and this gentleman standing next to Patrick Swayze, he points at that guy. He says, oh, he's going to die. I, this is how it happens. And from the upper torso to his face, out of his body came sparklets and energy. It was absolutely beautiful. That's how I see it mostly. Though I have seen the whole thing float out at once, like in car accidents. And on the web, if you type in motorcycle accident, spirit scene between ambulance and the patrol car or something. And the spirit is right above where the accident was. And he's looking down thinking, well, that was fast. That's what they look like. And it could be thrown out. Or if he dies, he just steps out. Now, there was a, a man who died on somewhere else. And he had been motorcycle, uh, bicycling with his son, got into the driveway. There was a little bit of hill. And he was standing there with the bike. And he had a massive um, Widermaker, a heart attack. And he fell down. And he goes, well, that's strange. And then he stood up and he went, feels funny. And he looked down and his body and the bicycle started rolling down the hill. And he looked at his body and he's trying to get back into it. It didn't happen. So you can come out of your body, just roll out of your body. Or you can stand up out of your body and you don't even know it initially. Those two people in the car, the men I talked to, they were whole as though they saw themselves just bam like that absolutely amazing um <laughs> float above the body okay i did that and the car accident in a hospice hospital or care home most will be given medications to soothe comfort to be put in a coma so the last final stages will be not frightening to the patient but to the family a lot of times it's to the family it is um and i did bring up uh, dr strange the movie about the master pushing his chest and that would be very good for you to watch the first part of the movie. If you don't watch Marvel, at least that part, because that's how I see it instantaneously. And there was no death. Uh, she kept his body okay. It wasn't a death thing. But being pushed out of the body, absolutely. And the flying in the sky. How many have had out-of-body experiences? Or have you had dreams where you feel like you're flying above the trees? Hello, me too. That's your spirit saying, I want to take a night, night flight. Why not? I've been places i've had meditation classes where I, I do meditation about looking at earth and looking from the moon from the planets and then we go further out and you can't see the earth anymore and then i say to the people and how big is your problem <laughs> you can't even see everything anymore i want to bring up a few movies and i'm going as fast as i can everybody natalie wood's last movie called brainstorm uh 1983 uh louise fletcher is the scientist as well as Natalie Wood's husband in the movie. And she's a fragile person, fragile health. And they are um, putting a machine together that you put on your head so that you can have input from magnetic tapes of all kinds of things, from learning um, to watching a movie. Uh, there was one death in the movie before that, and a fellow has put a tape on of pornography, and it kills him. And so they're wanting to know what he was seeing. And it was sort of um, a, a film now that someone else can put on their head. And when they did, that individual did die also. So then they're really afraid of it and they want to close it down. And in one evening, uh, Louise Fletcher's character 
goes to the office, she's working, she's smoking like crazy, crazy. Remember, 1983, everybody still smoked, not me, but everybody did. And she goes into a heart attack event and she puts the helmet over her head and she sits in the chair and you could tell it was a very uncomfortable scene for me because I'm watching someone die and she she had it down. She was going through um, wonderful acting. I hope she got a county word. I don't think she did. This was a low budget, but and Natalie Wood was wonderful in it, of course. Anyway, she uh, is capturing because that helmet is on. She's turned the machine on. The magnetic tape is capturing everything she's experiencing. Now, why did I bring that up? Uh, most of the time, people have said near-death experiences. I had a life review. And they do it very tastefully. And they create the visuals of these important points in her life from the most uh, rewarding to the to not rewarding. So she sees both children, she has a child, she does this and that. And then there's other instances where it's terrible, but she had experienced all of it to have that review. So when you become a spirit person, and I have an after-death vision of myself, uh, Shar, and I'm with a group of people and Hazel, one I spoke of earlier. And what they're telling me is very generic. It says, of the life you just left, what was interesting? Would you like to share? I want to know, did you have fun? How did you die? They're asking questions and you go, as though I'm divorced from that life already. Telling the family, oh, this was fun. You know what I did? <laughs> That's how it works. And so she's going through the visual of these points, not non-emotional. And then the next thing she says is, remember, I feel like we create a visual that we need to have. Is all the he heavenly um, host, all the angels in a tongue. And it's absolutely gorgeous. And then at the end of the tunnel is the divine. And she's starting to go through that. And it's beautiful. So Natalie Wood's movie, um, Brain Storm, implying the magnetic storms that are on brains. 1983, if you can hold of that. It is, believe it, on YouTube, okay? Uh, and, I, oh, I did add, uh, Natalie Wood actually died before the movie was over. Uh, she was the one that uh, went on the boat with her husband, and she ended up in the water. Her greatest fear in life was to drown. Guess what happened? She drowned. Um, so she has a sister, and the sister filled in the last scenes of the movie for her. Um, and, of course, you want to watch it and see if you can tell the difference, right? One of them that I thought would be fun to tell you about was Frighteners, 1996, of Michael J. Fox. It is a fun movie. He's a ghostbuster. He had a near-death experience. He came back and he could see ghosts. So two ghost buddies of his create an opportunity uh, to make money by going to people's home, pretending it's haunted, which it was because they were in it. And, and Frighteners uh, mean Michael J. Shot, uh, Fox makes a little income by shooing these two friends who are ghosties away. In the process of this, um, I forgot the people's names, so apologize. There's a woman um, who, uh, I'm going to say a uh, potential girlfriend shows up. And she is finding out that there's a lady in a home living with a mother who seems to be in distress. She goes there and meets her. And then she finds out this grown woman used to be a teenager who was a co defendant of a man who was killing people in a same asylum. And it's clear that the woman is uh, not all there, right? So she goes into the home and and puts pieces together. And what it's about is that the ghosty, the bad guy who is murdered, 
uh, comes back to the girlfriend and says, let's kill more people. And she's all for it. Okay. So at the end of the movie, when the battle goes on, it's very, very fun. Very fun. I recommend The Frighteners, 1996. At the end of the movie, there's a big fight in the, in the house. Michael J. Fox is accidentally killed. And he is going through the tunnel. He's going to head up to heaven. And as he's doing so, the lady friend that's now his cohort and trying to get rid of the, the bad guy and the girlfriend hits the lady with a shovel or something. And as Michael J. Fox is going to the heavenly realm, he looks behind and the ghosty, the bad guy, and the spirit of the lady friend, who was a co-murderer, they're coming up behind him. He goes, wait, 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 wait. I'm going to the good place. What are you doing here? All of a sudden, the the the, the, the earth cracks open and it turns blood red and these monsters come up and go, and pull them down to hell. Very visual. Very not disturbing. Kind of you're going to go, yay, the bad guys are mean, yay. <laughs> They're never going to haunt Earth again. The next scene I want you to watch is, of course, it's at the end of the movie. He lands on terra firma, or supposedly. And it's a park-looking environment. And his two ghosty guys, his buddies in the movie, are standing there waiting for him. Wow, this is great, Michael said. This is heaven. This is wonderful, right? And so while he's standing there and talking, it's gorgeous. It's like the prettiest park you've ever seen in your whole life. His ex, his uh, wife that had died, it's explained very early in the movie, comes up to the side of him and he looks at his dead wife and he's just thrilled. And all three of them then say, oops, you got to go back. No, I don't want to go back. I want to stay here with my wife. You have a lot of life to do. And all of a sudden, he's propelled back like he's falling. And he goes right back in his body. Because the lady friend that was on the campaign to get rid of this ghosty guy and his girlfriend breathes life back into his body. And he wakes up. And, she, of course, everything's wonderful. And then they become partners in ghost busting. And it's really cute. I mean, it was not his time. The point I was trying to make is, as many times as I've heard near-death experiences, so many of them get over to a place they think they can stay, and the people there say, it's not your time. And then someone said to me, how would they know? Remember me saying about the cord? That essence, that piece of you, is connected to the earth or to the body. I'm not positive. But I know there is aspects of me maybe just my eyes, but there's a part of me that goes to Italy, to the United States, back again, and to my chair so I can give a reading. There has to be some part of me that moves but comes back. I would like to know. I know I'm alive in this chair. I do a lot of video sessions and I'm looking at them, and the minute they get a question all around the world, then I can go to that person. I have a lady in England I speak to quite often, and it takes me only a second to connect. A lot of distance, everybody. So I want to say the same thing. When you're alive, the essence, most of it, is going. But you're not solid. You're almost sparkly to them. They look at you. You're not formed completely. It's like a part of you is still back in the body that's going to be revived. You're not solid. And when someone looks at you, it'll be looking at a ghost person 
fully with clothes on, like I told you, the two men, versus somebody who only has partly clothes. You go, well, you're not complete. You're not whole with us. You have to go back. And that tells me when I have to see that, or people who have near-death experiences, I know that they've been told you're not 100% complete. That's how they know you've got to go back and finish your life. And you may not want to. You don't have a choice. Though people have said you can have a choice. In my world, in reality, you're going to pick to go back. Because those near-death experiences, when people get the choice, they come back or we wouldn't know about it. That's because they already know the answer you're going to give, but you're the one that has to solidify your own thoughts. That's how that happens. There's a couple more movies, and I'm talking really fast, everybody. Um, Meet Joe Black. I love this movie. <laughs> and Anthony Hoppins and Brad Pitt, and that is also on YouTube. I did look it up so you can see it. And Anthony Hoppins is a very wealthy, important person in his world. And Brad Pitt is uh, supposedly Mr. Death. I'm not going to call them that. I like to call these people the greeters. And Brad Pitt has stopped Anthony Hopkins from dying. Remember I said earlier um, it was going to be Anthony Hopkins' 65th birthday in a few days. But Brad Pitt has, has not had a life to experience human life. And he asked Anthony Hopkins to let him come to his home and involve himself in life to have a sense what life's about because he kind of lost the connection. Okay? Very good movie. The point I was making with that is I do believe we have extensions. You can't ask the child, the adult, grandpa and grandpa, by the way, we know you're not well. Can you kind of come back, give us six more weeks? We don't always have those answers. I was able to talk to Jason and grandpa who greeted him. And grandpa is the one that told me we gave, we gave him six more weeks. And I had a lady friend that um, she was adopted client and first dad died. And then mom died. And she came to me with terrible anger, frustration. How dare they leave me? And she's like 45, 50 years old, right? And I looked, talked to her, and I says, you're very selfish. What are you doing? It's their time. You should be glad they're not in their body anymore. You're selfish because you don't want to be left behind. You don't want to have, to have the responsibility of doing your own life without them. You have got to let these people be who they are at the moment they need to be where they need to be. She never looked at it that she was selfish. She was grieving because they abandoned her. We have to take responsibility for our lives at the moment we're given that. My mother was 29 with two babies, two, five and a six-year-old, and dad died. You know, it was, um, I was, uh, let's see, 10 when she married again. So she, she learned what it felt like to be on her own for three I think three years. We went to three or four different homes. We lived with her brother, with Aunt Hazel, uh, with Grandma. You see, three different homes before she got the life insurance policy that my father took out the night he was, he was killed. But the Anthony Hopkins was wonderful as a man that knew he was only given amount of time. Um, Brad Pitt showed up at his home, but he had talked to him in the middle of the night. How many people have heard people say in the family, and that's been told to me, that they had a sense that they were not going to live much longer. That's because they got a voice that told them, prepare. I have heard that a lot. And you've heard people say, how, how, what was that? What was that? You had a dream you're going to die. What was that? I've had in the last 
couple months, two people who've died, including Dell's mother, when he talked to me, I, I could taste death. It was so strong. Boom. And I told him he'll, she'll be gone before the morning. And she was gone a few hours later. The, the taste of the death is profound. But it's not necessarily just the person's passed away. It's the ambiance of the air and of the greeter that comes for you. Whether it's grandma, grandpa, but there's also somebody it feels like. I don't see them all the time, but people have spoke of, and there's videos of someone in the hallways of a hospital that can't explain. Um, I think that's not a bad job. It's not the devil. It's not the death. It's not somebody. It's a comforter. It's like the angel the young lady saw, the greeter, someone that says, it's your time, leave your body. But the family's all gathered. So there's a little bit of slippage there because I've seen the greeter quite a few times, like the Brad Pitt uh, character. He's there to experience life. Anthony Hopkins realizes that is him that will be taken. At the very end of the movie, there's a wonderful scene of Brad Pitt and Anthony Hopkins walking over. And then Anthony Hopkins says, will it hurt? He says, you won't feel a thing. You won't, there will be nothing. Just, and they're gone. It's a wonderful movie. So I encourage everybody to see it. The other one, if we have two seconds, trans, transist, Transcendence with Johnny Depp, 2014. I only want to bring that up because I do not believe, I'm going to be really, put my foot right here, I'm not positive that we could ever transfer a consciousness into a machine. I wouldn't know how electrical energy of our body, but the spirit is solely different. It's pure energy. I'm not sure we could ever siphon it. If so, it would explain a little bit about the little child that answers the phone, a toy phone, picks it up, it's grandma. But that's a whole different story of someone who wants to voluntarily submit their spirit into a piece of machinery. I don't think that's going to happen, everybody. Maybe the essence of it. And that also leads to uh, beam me up, uh, beam me up Scotty. I think we can do the flesh eventually, but how would the spirit know to connect to it? Not positive. I know how things like that happen. But if I nix that idea, then how are we going to travel inner space, inner space and black holes or However, it's going to be done. There's a lot of com particular little things there that I've, I've thought about, and I'm not sure. But I did like the movie because he's terribly in love with somebody, and he's dying, and he says, I, got to, I want to be with her. So it's actually kind of a love story, kind of backward love story. And he does go insane, um, unfortunately. All right. I think I did it, kid. Let me see if awesome. there's anything else. There. Awesome. Um, I answered as many questions as I could in the chat room. Okay. I just want to, I just wrote so much. Um, oh, hmm. okay. So um, one of the favorite spirit visitors came with a client for a session. The young man was at the time a student and had several books in his arms. Okay. <laughs> I did not address this atheist. Um, I've had like three of them and one of them was very famous and he came in with a student and the student, I've told the story long time ago the student had books and he wanted i have another young man that's asked me profound questions about afterlife and he had some questions for me and this man came in had corduroy pants on and a beautiful blazer and he looked over and leaned over the table looked at me and says would you tell everybody i was wrong 
what that happened in 2001, I think. Well, years later, Professor Gary Swartz, who's uh, the inventor of the cell phone, saw me in Tombstone, Arizona. So we got together at his house and we were talking. And I says, I had the most unusual experience. I had this blank person, blank, 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 blank name I said out loud. And I says, he told me to tell everybody that he was wrong. And Professor Gary Swartz says, oh, my God, I had two other my ladies say the same thing to me, that this individual visited them also. You're the third one. I love it, everybody. Okay, I did it. Sorry. <laughs> this is a big topic, and I wanted it not to be gory or unpleasant. I hope I did a good job for you kids. Huh? Sounded really good to me. Made a lot of sense. <laughs> okay, guys, let's talk about Sunday real fast. We are, oh, sorry, my back. Lord, that hurt. We started a new book last night. After the read, uh, we got done with our, our scary Christmas stories. So we started a new book. and there's, It's a Rudyard, I hope I said the guy's name right, <laughs> Rudyard Kipling book about ghosts. And it surprised me that he wrote a book about ghosts. But it's from the late 1800s. So we started that. So we'll be reading that one on, I'll be reading that one on Sunday, 6 o'clock you know, Pacific, p.m. Pacific. And Monday, if everything goes well tonight, we will be talking Alien abductions and, and and little children with Mary Ross, and she uh, she's supposed to do a pre-record with me at 9 p.m. So uh, about an hour from now, and if if everything goes well with that, she will be the guest on Monday. So uh, just in time for that, 6:30 p.m. Pacific. So I will see you guys on Sunday, and uh, hopefully you'll like that new book that we're reading because I'm, I'm really into it right now. In fact, I had to even call Nancy and tell her about it this morning. So. You know, briefly. Yeah, so anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So we we're trying to find a lot more books. So if you kids have, uh, <clears throat> if you guys out there have some really old books that have really good ghost stories, mm -hmm. you know, they're getting kind of common here. But we get some of these old ones; they get really interesting. Mhm, mm mhm. Mm so yeah. All right. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We are equal opportunity here at California Hots Radio. We're just trying to get the word out of our our our, our little old show. Or like a little show that could. And uh, yeah, that's what we'd like. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and give you Nancy's information. And I'm going to sign off for the night. Because again, I have a 9 p.m. pre-record schedule. So here we go. Push the button. Okay. <laughs> Websites. NancyMats.com. All lowercase. NancyMatsAuthor.com. The N, the M, and the A are capped. YouTube.com forward slash Nancy Matt Psychic. The N, the M, and the P are capped. Uh, Nancy's got some books out. Help, get me out of this funk by Nancy Matt. Two Worlds, Developing Your Psychic Skills. And the unwilling sacrifice. And of course, you can get those at Amazon. <clears throat> oh.
Okay, guys, I will see you on Sunday, 6 p.m. Pacific, for ghost stories from the late 1800s. Ooh. Have a great All one. Right. Good night, everybody. Give us some thumbs up, hon. Huh?